impact, income, and influence. In this episode, we talk to my good friend, Mark, over a wide range of topics. We start with how he quit his consulting job at one of the biggest consulting agencies in the world to go out on his own, how he did six figures in his first six months in business, and then went on to create Custom Box Agency, which offers amazing experiences to people who are holding virtual events or building a business. It's led him to working with some of the biggest influencers in the game. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Having massive impact, growing your income, and building your influence are the three most important things for entrepreneurs like you today. And that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to today's show. I have with us today Mark Stern. Mark is one of my longest running friends in the entrepreneurial game. He is a super awesome stand up guy. Uh, he was one of the top rated consultants in one of the biggest consulting firms in the world before he felt the call to enter the full time game of entrepreneurship. Mark has a great quote, which I will let him share with you about entrepreneurship. Mark, welcome to the show. Good seeing you. It, Always good chatting with you, Steve. Awesome. Um, so what, uh, what is your catchphrase quote that separates corporate from entrepreneurship? Yeah, I figured that's the one you're going for. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Uh, which So um, I think my, one of the biggest ahas I made when I transitioned from corporate to entrepreneurship is, Corporate versus entrepreneurship is like checkers versus chess. The game board looks the same. The rules are completely different. So for those of you who have made the leap into the uh, entrepreneur game or the digital marketing game and are learning how to navigate this whole online space, like if you come in with this corporate mindset, you will, I, for me, I was like, I was like great in corporate. I'm going to be great in this. No, you will fail. So it's just like uh, playing board games. You have to learn the rules of a new game and then you layer on your skill set. So it's not foregoing where you were. It's about how that skill set can complement and enhance your strategy with the game you're playing. That is an awesome little like snippet right there. Let's dive into that a little bit more because I've, I mean, when <laughs> I left, I left corporate as well. Uh, my corporate was a little bit different. Um, I was in restaurants. Um, I worked for Vail Resorts. When I left, I was like, I know how to do this. This is going to be great. And I thought the skill was the thing. And of course, I fell flat on my face. Um, and I had to relearn everything. So like, talk to us a little bit. Like, what was what was your journey like? Like, what did what happened when you quit your job? Walk us through that. You know, I think the hardest part was at first it was, um, um, I, I guess there's a lot of different ways I can take this. Um, Coming from corporate, when you're in corporate, I knew what value was. I knew when I created something that it was something of value. So the second I like handed over to the client, like I knew that this thing was valuable. And when I transitioned over into entrepreneurship and everyone's like, you want to produce something that's value to your audience. You want to produce like my calibration of what value was. And it's such a, it's such a vague concept of like, go make something of value because what's valuable to you is not what's valuable to me. Like it may be, but it could be very different. So that threshold of like, what is value in this game of entrepreneurship is like, I can produce something that would have been um, so much value in the corporate world, but it would have been like overwhelming and irrelevant in the entrepreneur realm. So that was kind of like 
the balance that I just think about was that it's a very different way of how you speak. It's a very different way of how you operate a business. In corporate, there is uh, usually a ladder or a corporate structure. If something goes wrong, you have an HR department to reach out to. In entrepreneurship, um, the you know you can be the king of your mountain and run things however you want to. And I, as a customer of your product, you know um, it doesn't matter how I feel. Whereas like there's a lot more protection of the people you serve in the corporate realm and entrepreneurship. You know you, you are able to run your business however you want to run it to whether people like it or not. And well, I so think that was like a very different, you know, and I'll, I'll make it real. I, there was an, uh, an influencer that I had bought a $2,000 course from and he said, okay, like did this big launch for his course. He sold us this course and it wasn't ready. And a month passed, two months passed, six months later, he still hadn't delivered this course that we all paid money for. And if people challenged him and said, why didn't you like, like we paid all this money for this. He came back and was like, well, I gave you access to my old course. Other people had success with the old course. And it was just so like, there wasn't wrong with him taking his time to give you the thing that you bought. Whereas in corporate, that would have been yeah. never fun. You have the better business bureau. You have all these other entities. You have a lot more spotlight on it. And it's hard to challenge that influencer who you want to ascend up the mountain with and challenge it in the same way you would in a corporate environment. There's just not that the same checks and balances. I mean, that's one of the things, there are a couple of things in there we can unpack. One of the biggest ones for me when I left was, it was when I was in corporate, I had clear goals defined by the people above me. And then I was given the freedom to reach those goals. When I entered entrepreneur world, it was, well, this is my goal, I think. And quickly the goal changed, right? Like things moved around inside of that goal. Um, and I feel like so many people I talk to say, well, I, I just start spinning my wheels. I don't know who I'm serving. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Like, I just feel overwhelmed and I feel all the stuff. And I feel like that's kind of what, what happens, right? Um, you touched on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot in that, in the sense of like, it, it, there's elements of corporate that are constraining, but there's also elements of entrepreneurship that are constraining. The biggest drawback of um, corporate that I just don't like is that so much, so many of us aren't trained to secure, like seek the job that we want and the dream thing we were meant to do. We get into a corporate hierarchy and you apply for the job description and you spend years in the job description that was available at the time of applying. Whereas in entrepreneurship, which is a big notch for entrepreneurship is the fact that like no one can tell you no, no one can tell you what you can and can't do or how you can and can't um, run your business. So the freedom and the empowerment that comes in it, there's no ceiling that this is my salary for the year. As an entrepreneur, you can hustle or you can launch a product or you can put systems in place that like you can monetize. And I think the other notch for entrepreneurship is, um, and this was like a, a difficult one for me to get my head wrapped around, but it was in corporate, I got paid in for, for time, money for time. So I had to work like in corporate consulting Every Monday, I was flying out to a client. Every Thursday evening or Friday morning, I was flying back home. I was always on the clock. I was always working. And if I didn't work, I wouldn't make money. Whereas in entrepreneurship, in the digital marketing space, I can create systems, products, and services that you build once, like a movie or that song you listen to on the radio. It gets filmed. It gets recorded like once and finalized, and they can continue to monetize it in the same way that you can with a course. So I can film a course once and make money on it again and again and again, and then do it again and rinse and repeat. And all of a sudden I could have 20 to 30 different revenue streams that I could be sitting on a beach doing nothing 
but making tons of money and I'm not limited in the same capacity as I was in corporate. So that so, element of affiliate or build it once and keep monetizing it is incredibly powerful. I mean, I think that's the dream, right? That's what so many people are drawn to entrepreneurship for. There's no rules. There's no framework. I don't have a boss. I'm going to create this digital product and it's going to make all this money. And all of those things are true, but I feel like it needs a huge asterisk of like, you need a framework, you need an outcome, you need an audience. So it's not that you no longer have a goal or a boss or a framework that you have to abide by. You're just the one setting it. And I feel like that is, I mean, I know we're talking about, you know, they always say sell the vacation, not the travel. And we're talking about the travel a little bit, but I feel like that's where so many people get hung up. They're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then they're like, well, what course do I create? I mean, how many people have we seen create courses that are either so big that they, there's no, like, there's no way anyone can consume all of it, or it's a course nobody wants because they didn't listen. Like, I mean, you've, you can talk to that a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to hit on like, like people always ask me, like, what is the biggest piece of advice you give to an entrepreneur? It's, um, it's to co-create content with other people. It's don't lock yourself in a room and film content that you think other people will know. I think that part of the success I've had in my career is because one, and the benefit of that is it takes a lot of pressure off of you to create all the content and you get to create content that's relevant for other people as well. So like even this simple conversation, you reaching out to me and getting on um, uh, this session, like it's so much easier to do this. And with that back and forth, it's gonna be higher perceived quality content because it's not just Steve, it's Steve and other people that he's bringing on board. You see Steve's sphere of influence get really a lot bigger faster. You see the quality of the content because he's in control of the questions he's asking get better and better simply because he's not doing it himself. So a lot of entrepreneurs fall in this trap of like, like, I think I know what everyone wants and I just spend all this time building, 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 and then you put it out there and no one likes it. Whereas the power of like engaging others, other people are going to unlock. They hold the keys to unlocking your business going to the next level. I mean, one of the things that I've seen you do the best over the last couple of years has been like so many people, I think are scared to, they're like, oh my goodness, I have imposter syndrome, or I don't know if anyone will listen to me, or I need to lie and tell people that I'm doing much better than I am, because why would anyone respect me? You just came into the game and you were like, okay, this is, this is what I do. And you allowed people to follow you on the journey. You documented it, which had a bunch of that co-creation with it. Like talk, I mean, one of the best things I saw you do was you did a virtual summit and then from that virtual summit, you pulled people out and you were like, okay, I'm going to do this little class on how to do something. You got people on the class and it wasn't a ton of people. You didn't have thousands of people there. You had, I mean, how many, you talk about that a little bit. Cause that was really interesting to me to watch. Yeah. You. Well, um, I, when I got started, when I left corporate America, so I left corporate America and I put in my notice for Deloitte in January, 2018 and went all in um, May, 2018. So it took me about five or six months to like officially transition out of the firm I was working for. Um, but I, I loved every minute of it. I just knew that like the journey that I was on, I could serve so many more, um, by making that leap. And the one thing I will say for those who are listening, like I had to make up that, make that leap to free up the mental capacity to be able to become an entrepreneur. Otherwise, had I tried to do this while in corporate America, 
I just wouldn't have had the capacity to think through what I needed to do. So what I knew, um, I didn't know what all the pieces looked like when I was going through that process, but what I knew was that I loved conferences and um, I could speak on stage and speak in front of a group without a problem, but speaking on camera like this was like the most awkward thing getting started. And so I did a summit because um, one, I love um, uh, conferences and two, um, it was forcing me to get uncomfortable, but at least I was doing it with other people. And it was really cool because um, one of my friends um, made a comment, um, um, uh, Marie Larson, uh, Stephen Larson's sister, she made a comment that was like, usually when it comes to podcasting, it takes about 30 podcasts before you find your voice. So I was like, part of the benefit of the summit was I was like, I need to make sure I interview at least 30 people because right out of the gates in a vacuum, I did 30 interviews. And by the time you get in that momentum and forcing yourself to speak on camera, um, I started to find my groove and started to get, it just accelerated that journey to getting more and more comfortable in front of a camera. And you're right, like I did that event um, because I wanted to generate leads and I wanted to start to build presence and build authority online. Um, and afterwards, for those who um, participated, you know, I just assumed, you know, I could host a small workshop for people who want to know how to do what I just did. So I did it. It's not like I was a pro. It's not like I'd been doing it for years. I put together the summit and then I did a session that was behind the scenes of how I just did what I did. And you're right, we had people that showed up. It wasn't that many, it may have been eight to 10. Um, but out of that, I had, um, I made a small, like, and this was a pitch I made literally um, 10 minutes before, 20 minutes before the, I was supposed to go live. I was like, I'm not pitching, I'm not pitching. And I was like, I'm gonna put a soft pitch out there. Um, Cause I was like, like, what can I, what can I lose? And, um, you know, I wanted to launch a beta course on how to do what I just did and launch your own summit. And um, all I wanted was like six people, six to 10 was the range. And from that session, we closed about four or five people, which blew my mind. Um, what was really cool about this, I think I mentioned this to you because I didn't know how to price it. So if you ever don't know how to price it, what I did for this beta group was like, I think I priced it like, because they were part of the founder circle, um, 597 to attend the live coaching sessions or 997 to attend the coaching sessions plus get two one-on-ones with me, which the reality was I was so new to the game that I would have given everyone as much time a day like that they needed. I would have gotten on the phone with them multiple times, but I just did that as like a little thing to see one of people want to take this offer. And if they do, are they, am I pricing this too low? And everyone took the 997 offer. Like it was instantly 400 more bucks in my pocket simply by the one little strategy of giving them an option to say, would you like two one-on-ones with me or not? And being brand new to this game, it instantly was like one of those things that I realized, one, my prices were too low because um, people were overvaluing that they were like, it's a no-brainer to get one-on-one with Mark, even though I was virtually new to the digital marketing space. And two, um, the importance of giving people options because if you limit it to what you think people want, you may be leaving money on the table. That's very true. I mean, you, you just touched on so many things in there. First off, like you just, you were like, I'm going to do a virtual summit because I'm uncomfortable. It's yeah. serving both sides. It's creating some content. It's giving me a way to forward myself, but it's also documenting the journey and it's, it's giving value to an audience starting to build my audience, which is awesome. Um, how would, I mean, you said yourself, like I was uncomfortable. I know one of, uh, one of the girls that I talked to when I first started this game, 
She was so scared to get on video. She was so scared to go outside of her comfort zone. What did you do to push yourself? <laughs> um, the best thing you could do is that for me getting started, I had what I called like friendlies that I did my interviews with first, which were friends of mine that if I just made a fool of myself, they would just laugh it off and whatnot. And trust me when I say there was a lot of interviews at the very beginning that I was like, can we redo this? Can we redo this? Like needed some, some editing, but it's okay. Like part of it was just taking action and that's it. It's so, like recognizing that it doesn't have to be perfect, but like, I'm so glad I went through that and like learned to fail because like now I'm, I'm so comfortable to the point that even if we do mess up, like I'm comfortable with it. And uh, because I, I know this space and I know the game. And at the end of the day, I think people resonate with you being human more than anything. And if you're I would, flawless, it's, it's just not relatable. I would agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it is not about being perfect. If anything, the more imperfect you are, as long as you show proficiency at the thing you are doing, people will respect you and they will feel way more in tune with you. If you come, if you come across as a guy that's way up here and talks above them, people are just going to be like, I can't work with them because they don't feel any rapport. Um, you're laughing. Tell me what's up. Yeah, I'm laughing because I just got off of a client call. Um, and on this client call, this is with an influencer looking into our custom box services. Um, she had to, like, within five minutes of the call, she had to say, I'm sorry, and paused and wrapped her hair in a towel and took the remainder of a call with, like, her hair in, the, in a towel as it was drying. And it was one of those things that she's like, I'm so sorry about this, but my hair is soaking wet and I just walked out of the shower. But it was endearing because it was like just who she was as a person. So it was kind of funny at the same time. Um, I mean, people I, love the behind the scenes, <laughs> like getting to know somebody. I mean, that's, that's like, if, if you constantly, I mean, you look at any of the really good influencers out there that are kind of in our space, you feel like you know them. You feel like they're somebody you could go hang out in their living room with and just like BS around and have a cup of coffee and chill out. Um, I mean, there are some people that are the proponent of, you know, you got to be this high and mighty person. I, I don't like interacting with my clients like that. I find that it is much better if they know that I care about them. Um, and if we're just real, like, I don't know, I feel like it works so much better. Yeah. So talk to me. Okay. So you did the event, you videoed it, you got outside of your comfort zone, you held this class. So I want to, first off the class, how did you pitch it? How did you get people in it? Cause that's people are like, I don't know, what do I do? So here's the funny thing about like, if you do something big and make a splash online, it is the perfect bonus to offer people like a behind the scenes of how you did um, what you just did. And here's the thing, the assumption I made was that if someone attends a session that is a behind the scenes of how you just did. So if you run a challenge, if you um, do a virtual live event, if you do a virtual pre-recorded event, if you, whatever you may be doing online, um, if someone attends a session where you break down how you did what you did, chances are they're probably thinking about doing it for themselves. So instantly they're a, a hot lead that is looking for that offer. So that's just what my, where my head was at. So I was like, if people show up to a session on how to run, like how I just did my summit, I'm just walking through the steps. I will give you full value of it and show you the output and the results of everything, but it's still not enough because people still want, they want you. And they want your systems and they want to be like, like I can give you all the answers to how to build your own custom box. Clients still come to me and ask me to do it for them. Well, that's so, okay. First off, 
were you nervous showing numbers? Because I know so many people are like, well, if I show them the behind the scenes and then I see 30 people registered for this, does it yeah. matter? No, I didn't care. You know, it's, it's one of those that, um, I think on my first summit, it was like 1500 people, which um, uh, was amazing because I had none before that. I had zero Facebook group. I walked away with a Facebook group of like five to 600 people. Like I went from like nothing to like a base. So I didn't have that lull of like, there's only 10 people in my group or 50 people in my group, or now we're breaking a hundred. Like it just instantly I had an audience in front of me. Um, so like, that's where it was just like, it wasn't a big audience. This wasn't like people do summits with 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, a hundred thousand people, you know, attending it. It wasn't huge, but it was exactly what it needed to be to help me. And then just know the next time you do it, it'll get bigger. And do bigger. you feel, do you feel like holding a summit is the best way to build an audience? I think it is a vehicle. I think it is a really powerful vehicle, but you have to do it the right way. And so, you have to lead with, um, like for me, where people get summits wrong, um, I don't know if you want me to go down this rabbit hole. But yeah, go for um, it. Where people get summits wrong is that a summit is not the thing. It's the thing to the thing. So for me, when I did the summit, um, I had a product at the time. Let's see if I actually, have, oh, I have it right here. Uh, Entrepreneur Elements, which you are in this one. Steve. Um, so uh, I had this product called Entrepreneur Elements that was basically I created this. This is where you see my corporate consulting site come out because I created this periodic table of elements that every entrepreneur or digital marketer should know. Um, so I nerded out over it. Woo, there it is. If you're watching the video, you can see it live. Um, I nerded out over this, but it was like too much stuff for the average person. And it's like more of like a full-time like coaching program. But Part of what I did was it was divided up into four phases or sections, which was foundation, strategy, tactics, and implementation. And so the four days of my summit were all pre-framing foundations, day one, strategies, day two, tactics, day three, um, implementations, day four. And then I sold entrepreneur elements, but I also sold how I did what I just did. So like, I'm calling this out because like where most people get it wrong is they don't know what the end destination looks like. Um, and they just do a summit and a summit is a ton of work just to not know what it looks like. Um, but if you know where you want to see and send people and you can be very intentional, like we've done summits that we were so intentional with the comment, uh, co uh, content that we built physical boxes out of it. High ticket online. Like it was so intentional that we were building the product that was the, uh, call to action based on the comments through the interviews that we were doing. So that's kind of where like being very intentional and being very strategic, you can not only launch new revenue streams off of a summit, fill your calls to actions, whether it's a course or whatnot, um, and generate an audience. But like, you, you got to be intentional with it. It's not about like, I'm just going to interview people randomly and hope that they promote um, and I'll get an audience and figure it out later. So I'd say you, you mean like a, money, an opportunity on the table. So don't use like a scatter plot. Don't use a scatter plot. It's probably not the best thing to use. Um, so actually I want to talk, so you went from entrepreneur elements, which was this big, huge, massive undertaking. Like we saw it come out and we were like, oh my goodness, this dude crushed it. Um, and then the next one that you did was much smaller. Talk about that a little bit because I, the point of this interview wasn't necessarily to get into virtual events, but yeah. you've done so many of them and you, you've got like some really good insights. So talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, um, I actually have it right here. And so see people see it, like we built this whole box off of it. You can see that we had literally 12 speakers. So what was really cool about um, High Ticket Online, we did Clickpreneur Summit, it had 41 speakers. It was a lot to manage. So it's just a lot of moving parts that I think are unnecessary. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, that's why I was like, I, uh, the problem with a big summit is the way a summit model tends to work is that you film all these interviews, like in my situation, 41, and then every day of the summit, you release a certain number of interviews. So interviews one through eight, and then nine through 16, and so on and so forth throughout the, the, the time that the events are on. And how it works for the participant is that they give you their email address. In exchange for their email address, you get live access to the summit recordings with the core call to action to be by the digital access pass to watch lifetime these 40 plus interviews on your own time. So I looked at the model and said, the, the whole thing about like having to watch, like no one has time to watch 10 interviews or eight interviews or five interviews in one day. So you kind of like overwhelm people to the point that they have no option that if they wanted to consume the content, you have to buy the digital access pass. And so for me, I was just like, when I think about who I want to serve, like that's just like, 40 hours of content from interviews that are just like podcasts and you're asking me to pay for it to listen to that. It just wasn't a good sell to me. So I was like, how would I do it if I really wanted to participate and listen to it? I'd rather have eight to 12 very intentional speakers that you focus on where I can go deep in the conversation. Um, but say that like on this topic, these are the only eight to 12 people, um, that, um, I would recommend. And what was really cool about it was when I made it smaller, for me to do all the interviews for a summit, whereas the 41 took forever, I had seven of my 11 interviews, and I was the 12th one, done in two days. So most of the summit content was done. Because it was only 11 people, I could repurpose all the content before the event even happened. And so before the event even launched, I was able to build out the physical branded box for the summit and get these into the hands of the speakers who then started to promote more authentically and organically. So they were getting loud about it because they were excited about how I invested the time to make a product out of it. And oh, after that event was over, this was an easy product to continue to sell. So I did a summit, the call to action came out as a result of the interviews that I had done. It was the perfect way to introduce people into my realm and see like the level of care um, and how I would support them get to the next level. But what it was, was so much easier to do because it was eight to 12 instead of what? 41. How many opt-ins did you get for high ticket online versus entrepreneur elements? It was definitely smaller, but part of it was the timing that we did it. Um, so it was a couple hundred that we have. It may have been five or 600 for that, but we had a higher conversion rate of those people to get the box versus the digital access pass. So part of it was, um, it was, it was a, it a really tough time in my life too. Um, we had some family issues that were going on, but despite like not being able to put the energy that I wanted to in the summit, we still had five to 600 people opt in. We still had 20% conversion on boxes. And then I started getting high ticket clients out of it. So even at a smaller number, I'm okay with it because I built a product that was more desirable in the marketplace, more intentional, that I made a lot more money off of that summit than I did for the one that was a lot bigger. Well, I mean, this kind of mirrors our conversation from earlier. Like instead of creating a course that's this big, that has so much overwhelming content, people are interested in an outcome. They're not interested in the big mass thing, right? If I say, hey, I'm gonna show you how to build a business, that's like overwhelming. But if I say, I'm gonna show you how to develop 
the sales in your business, or I'm going to show you how to develop client relations, or I'm going to show you how to build a product. That's much better. And you can even get more and more. So you did, how many smaller summits did you do? Smaller virtual events? Maybe three. And you, you preach that that is the better way to go. Yeah. And, and here's why for those who are listening, it's, um, uh, you re it's, you reduce overwhelm. Um, you can be, you can take care of your speakers. And the cool thing about your speakers is they hold the keys to your dream avatar. If you ask the right speakers, you know, you want them to promote to their audience. A lot of summits people don't like to promote because they don't feel connected to the speaker and they're going after, you know, a peer of ours. I know someone who did 70 interviews. I know someone who did over a hundred interviews. I know when it's about to happen, that's over a hundred interviews. You're instantly overwhelming me at the thought of a hundred interviews. Like there's just nothing like as a consumer, like I would rather have less because less is more to me. And at the end of the day, the question that I like tell people is, you know, do you want to, um, how do you want to serve people? Do you want them to be in a state of uh, learning and education or do you want a state of action? If I can get you to take action, I can better position myself to be your trusted mentor and easily sell you on higher ticket products than if I constantly put more and more interviews in front of you to keep you in a state of just consumption and learning. So that's kind of where like a box, I can put actionable things that can actually help your business, which easily will say, if this is what I get at this low ticket price point, what's the next level gonna look like? So I can monetize better, I can build better connection by being more focused on how do I transition you from education to action a lot faster than just inundating you with 50 hours of interviews. Yeah, I mean, we've both seen people who have done like 40 plus, 50 plus, 80 plus interviews and had very like nobody will mail for them they get i mean we saw one that the guy had 70 people opt in and he had i think he had 35 or 40 speakers right um huh. talk a little bit about i guess like to me the the main thing that i saw different with what you were doing was you actually got you had people sign up for it you did organic marketing you didn't spend a ton of money on ads we saw one guy spend oh, over 50k on ads and got 2300 opt-ins you got 1500 opt-ins doing it all organically so just talk a little bit because you've been really good about you don't spam people online your stuff is not pushy um you just have a really good presence yeah i think it's just how how do i want to be communicated because i don't like playing the i mean part of it is are you playing a short-term game or a long-term game there's a lot of people who do summits because they look at it as a list booster and they tell speakers like, Steve, you can only speak on my summit if you promote your list. And oh, by the way, you can't speak unless your list has 5,000 people on it. That's how they position it. And for me, I was just like, what's gonna happen there is that are you attracting the right people? Because you can do a summit in any space, but if you don't get the right speakers and they don't serve your right avatar and you have them promote, you may get a big list, but it could be a dead list for what you do. They don't have a connection to you you're not their trusted mentor. So that's kind of like the, the, the thing I keep in mind. What I like to do is think about experience a little bit more. So like little things that I would do, I really, we really took, I think one of the smartest moves we did with Clickpreneur was uh, I turned all the speakers into cartoons and um, it was a simple thing to do, but what ended up happening was one speaker changed his profile, which then every other speaker started changing their profile picture to the cartoon. And instantly it created all this amazing uh, organic buzz. And then people were hitting me up about how do I get one of those? People wanted to feel like they were part of this. 
um, because they saw 40 people that had these cartoon character drawings. Some people to this day still use that drawing as their profile or part of their marketing materials. And that links it back to me and links it back to my summit, which is what's really, really cool. Um, but that's all organic buzz that just caught people's attention. So I think a lot of strategies like that with uh, high ticket online, we, we were creative in the sense of turning all of our speakers into trading cards. And when we turned them into trading cards, what happened? Well, all of our speakers started to pose and take pictures with their trading card, started promoting it online, um, taking pictures with the custom box that had their face on it. Like it organically activated them in a way that like, I didn't have to do a lot of pushing to say, um, you have to promote. They were just genuinely excited to promote because I thought about them and thought about like, what are the little things that I can do to get them excited? So, so let's talk about that a little bit because you, when you started, you were, you were going down this path of virtual events and you had some traction there, but the one thing that led to the other was you're super high quality, you're super creative. And you put together, I mean, we saw the trading cards, we saw the entrepreneur elements book, and then we saw that box that you held up and you started doing these boxes. Talk to us about like the origin of the box. Cause I was there. I mean, I remember yeah. sitting in the boardroom, like designing boxes with you. So talk about how that kind of took off. It's funny, right? Life is funny. Um, like the pathway to get to doing the thing that you want to do. Like sometimes you just got to embrace it cause you never know. Um, so um, every time we'd launch a product or service and it started with high ticket online, like I just wanted to learn how I could tie a physical box and put it on automation. And um, we did it and um, we did it with entrepreneur elements. Like it was such a game changer to everything. Hang on a second, I wanna go back. Why did you, where did the idea for the box come from? Like what was your inspiration or like why did you decide to do it? Well, I mean, this is where, so first and foremost, the whole getting into physical products started with entrepreneur elements because that was a publication that I was literally boxing up and mailing myself. So when someone would buy it, I would put it in the package and all of a sudden I was becoming the bottleneck to my business. And the aha I had was when I put the um, publication on uh, like activated fulfillment and started to look into fulfillment, I actually realized that it's cheaper for someone else to pack and ship my boxes. How much? Uh, so I was paying roughly seven bucks to ship an entrepreneur elements um, with some other things inside of it. When I switched to um, a fulfillment vendor, uh, that shipping cost, I think, dropped to about uh, $4.30. So we're looking at about a 30% drop in price. Like, I can't, I'm not making this up for them to pack, ship, manage my inventory. Like, with what we were sending out to get that time back, I was actually saving more money. Not, and I'm not even counting in the me packaging my time, my time driving to the USPS store. to. So like, let's, do let's talk that. about that for a second. If somebody's sitting here listening and they're like, dude, I'm just getting started. I quit my job or I'm still working my nine to five and this is a side hustle. Do I really need a fulfillment center? Talk about that because this oh, was- man. Game changer. Like everyone needs to be thinking about physical to digital, especially in the age of COVID. Like how do we connect with others? We connect with people around us with uh, our senses. Why do we love Disney World? Why do we love movie theaters and restaurants? It's because it's a fully immersive experience. Same thing with live events. Um, this is why we live, love live events is that they're fully immersive. Digital. It is only what you see and what you hear. And the cool thing about sending something in the mail is one, people love getting stuff in the mail. Two, um, you can activate touch, taste, and smell, which you can't do with digital-only products and services. So this finding a solution that enabled the whole automation of fulfillment, um, it, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but like it, 
it was cheaper for me to do that than for me to do it myself. And it, it, just to see the um, organic uh, traffic, the social proof that was happening, people would do unboxing videos, people would take pictures with these things. So I just wanted to test out for my first summit. Like, I don't know how to do this. I'm gonna figure out how to do this and we're gonna see what the results are. And I knew my numbers to the point that my speakers for that summit, High Ticket Online, I offered them 100% affiliate commission because I knew the cost of my box to pack and ship um, and the hard cost of the box itself. So even when I offered them 100% affiliate commission, I didn't give them commission on the shipping and handling. That was an added on. So it was 100 bucks for the box plus 20 bucks shipping and handling. And um, I didn't give them my bump and my OTO. Um, and I was having a conversion of over 50% of the bump. So even though I gave them 100% affiliate commission, I still broke, I actually made money off of that uh, box alone from the speaker sales because um, it offset the cost that I was in the hole for the hard cost of the box and shipping. So let's so, talk about the box some more. So what yeah. you went from entrepreneur elements, which is a book to high ticket online, which was a box. What did you put in the box? And what the point of the box from what I hear you saying was to get people involved, to give yeah. them something to touch, feel, hold, play with. What was inside the box is, well, one thing we did put entrepreneur elements, a high ticket online edition of the publication. But what I tell people, you want a welcome note in a box? Cause that orients people, we had some swag. Um, me personally, if you see me, I wear hats. I usually have sunglasses on my neck, uh, especially if it's summertime. So I put some aviators in there and a, and a hat, like a hat I would wear. Um, I had a workbook in there to complement the learning experience. So there's some workshops that we did digitally and then the course the content from the summit. So you can have a place to take notes. Um, or do a self-assessment or some of the other exercises we did. So something that supported their success to launching a high ticket program. Uh, what else do I have in the box? Um, uh, and the trading cards, which is another support element. So we were really intentional with the pieces, but we wanted the physical things, even the learning experience on the trading cards, broke down key insights from the interview and key insights that were applied in other elements of like our workshops. So it all came full circle on how physical and digital complement each other. So that's how we thought about what was in the box. Um, and when we teach people boxes, like there's a different strategy on what you, you, you're looking to do and how to, what to put in the box. But like, that's the power of doing a box well is we had unboxing videos, but we had tools that weren't just about education and learning. It was about action. So, okay, what's your hard cost on a box? Because I can hear people listening to this. I can just hear them being like, I don't have money for a box. I'm just getting started, blah, blah, blah. Cut through all that BS. Like, here's the thing is it's a lot, it's a lot less expensive than you think. Um, I have built boxes that cost me hard cost plus shipping, um, like $10 plus shipping and handling that I turned around and sold for a hundred bucks again and again and again. So, uh, and with that, what I like, there are programs that we started with 20 boxes. And then I knew that if I sold uh, three or four, then I'd break even on those 20 and then can buy 50 or 250 or a thousand boxes. So sometimes we graduate to make sure is there demand in the marketplace? You don't have to start off and buy a thousand boxes. You could still get a low quantity of boxes and still make it have um, economical sense. But this is why I tell people like, I would even for a $47 program, spend 47 bucks on a box, break complete even, give them an incredible experience, and then know that the conversions, like I'm going on the back of my funnel in terms of the money that I'll make. So well, I, mean, I wouldn't think twice about that. So I that's mean, in today's market, everybody like, you're looking to build rapport. You're looking to build that no like trust factor because that's why at the end of the day, that's why people buy from you. And we've seen this like up graph of 
I mean, 10 years ago, it was, you could put a sales page online that you could add a video to it. And suddenly like no one else was doing that. So you could build that no like trust. Now it's like up in the game, up in the game. So if you're sitting there listening to this and you're like, I don't know. I mean, you could do a small event, have a hundred people opt in for whatever you're doing, whether it's a one day training program, a virtual summit, whatever it is, add a box to it. And if you sell just a handful of them, you are actually impacting those people. Those are your your hot audience. Those are, you've heard of a, a thousand true fans. Those are your true fans. They want whatever it is enough to buy that box. So one of the ahas that I had when I got started, I thought like getting a book done was going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. The truth is you can have a book printed and you can order them in sets of 10. And there are some places that will give you a one-off of a book. So, I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money. I love that you brought that up. Like getting 20 boxes, how, what, what do you think the rough cost is on 20 boxes? You know, it's all relative to what you're putting in the box and what you're trying to do. But like you could easily get boxes. It's going to, this is a game of quantity. So the more you get, the less it's going to cost. That's just how the box game works. If you buy 10 boxes worth of stuff versus 50, it's going to get cheaper versus a hundred versus thousands and so forth. Well, so I mean, what I would just say is even at 20 boxes, like you could easily find and fill a really solid box for 10 to 25 bucks. Okay, so $250, $300. Yeah, plus shipping and handling. You could. Yeah. So this is all about just like knowing how to navigate the game. Print items are going to be a lot less expensive. So if you had like a workbook or brochure or other training support materials like that, it's a lot less expensive than um, when you start to put swag in there because the t-shirts are going to run you anywhere from 8 to 12 bucks. It could be less if you get a bigger quantity. Same thing with water bottles and whatnot. It just depends on what you're putting in there that could start to affect. But like one of the things we do is um, with a lot of our smaller programs is to do a smaller size box. This is like really popular and those things are super cheap. So let's talk about like, okay, so first off, what happened was you went from holding these virtual events to seeing these boxes and then you have people reach out to you and say, hey, I need a box. If you're listening to this and you're like, I want a box, Mark, tell us like what you do because you have a couple of different yeah. things. Well, I'll start with like the accident. And so this is like the fun part of like being an entrepreneur. We were getting requests because we were launching boxes so frequently um, from people that were just like, how are, how are you doing this? So like I was focused on building out uh, Rover, which is a program on how to launch a virtual event and then a whole gamified experience. And we had a box with that as well. But like, like I was so focused going down road A and I, a lot of the questions people were asking me were down road B, which is like, how are you building these boxes? And I was funneling about what, four to six requests a week. So finally I was like, I am going to launch a challenge just to buy back my time. So I built this challenge called the custom box challenge. It was literally so I can get my time back to focus on the road I was going down and um, it just took off. Like the challenges blew up. And um, what happened was people bought the challenge and the whole time I built the challenge, I took people on a journey. Like they built it with me. Um, and uh, people started asking for done for you boxes. So not only did they buy the challenge, but they then asked me to do it for them. So we started the custom box agency. And then um, I wanted to cut out vendors so I could work direct with suppliers and build partner relationships. So um, we launched our own storefront custom box swag. So all of a sudden, and we became a, our own distributor, we became a vendor that can go work with suppliers. So this accidental business took off. And then I get to layer on the things that get me excited, which is like, how are you really complementing physical and digital? How are you introducing technology 
Um, how do you really create the most impactful experience for your audience? Um, so that's kind of like where this like fluke of a thing became the thing that was my business. Um, and now we're just like, I mean, these last couple of months, it's just I, like, it has been the most fun business to activate. Um, and I get to play up the strategy element of what I love to do for my, my old life with boxes. So that's talk to cool. us about a few of the different offerings that you have yeah, and a couple of the different clients that you've worked with in each of those offerings. Cause you've got, I mean, you've worked with everyone from somebody who wants five or 10 boxes to activate their yeah. tribe all the way up to, you know, multi-million dollar, huge influencers. So talk to yeah. us a little bit about that because there's a wide range, but what I want you guys listening to hear is like how the element is, it got people activated. Same process that I take people through. Um, if you want to do it yourself, we launched custom box challenge. It's less than two hours. So from a learning perspective, it's a cool thing to go through just to see how it was designed because it's less than two hours to sit and go through the whole thing from learning how to strategize to automate your custom boxes. So that's a good do it yourself. If you want to learn how to do it yourself, then we have our agency where we literally take people from running those strategy sessions to doing end to end build out all the way down to automation of their boxes. Another product that we launched and when we say custom boxes, it's truly the box itself is branded with whatever you want on it. Um, we're very intentional with the story inside and it's designed to really extend the lifetime value of your customers um, from acquisition to fulfillment and retention. Um, so people who work with us, they don't just build one box. They tend to build multiple boxes with us for different reasons, for different goals within their, their audience. Um, virtual social boxes is a really, uh, powerful way to activate your audience with physical and digital. So we rolled out this box that is literally a smaller branded box with your branding, very fast and easy to activate. All we need is your logo and your preference choice of glassware, a rocks glass, a wine glass or a coffee mug and everything on the insides and the outsides of the box is branded to you. It could fit a small workbook. Um, but the virtual social box is another powerful product that we're selling a lot in the marketplace of, and we're introducing technologies with it, which is we're doing a lot with like QR codes right now, since if COVID taught us anything, it taught us how to use a QR code, uh, where inside the virtual social box, it comes with a set of coasters and the coasters have a QR code on them where you also get access to a platform. So with the virtual social box, with that product, not only do you get the benefits of the uh, custom box, but with the QR code automation, you can dictate where that QR code on the coaster goes down to the minute. Um, so you're constantly sending people where they need to go when they need to be there. So we're doing a lot of different things with the boxes, but we can support people. Um, if you're just getting started to people who are established and looking to take their game to the next level, we love gamification. We love introducing um, how to really create those powerful, memorable experiences with your audience. So we're doing a lot of things, but it all is in the spirit of not just, it's not just about the boxes. It's about the, the experience you're designing around the boxes. That's where the, the power comes, the magic happens. So talk through, I mean, talk through like one or two of the people that you've worked with and what you've actually built for them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always cautious about like clients that I'm working with actively right now, because I want to protect like what they're doing so they can launch it when they're ready. Um, but in the past, what we've done, um, I like, uh, what are the ones that I want to highlight? Hmm. Virtual uh, live events is a big topic right now. So when we talk about virtual live events, these are people who had a live event that got canceled. Um, so JV Biology, Dave Fazette, uh, Relationship Breakthrough Retreat, Stacey Martino, 
um, we did their boxes um, for their virtual live events. And again, um, with Jay's box, what was really cool is that um, for both of these, it was a live event that was canceled. We, rather than, you know, a lot of businesses that may have had those expenses for hoteling or for catering, now we're able to shift and create this cool box experience that they would receive before the virtual live event. And then it's all about thinking about the story inside the box to complement uh, the virtual experience. So JVology included a wine glass in their box. Part of it was because one of the evenings they had a networking event and they wanted to cheers everyone together. So having that wine glass or a cocktail glass is a really cool way that one glassware can unite everyone. Um, it also had the workbook, so they didn't have to print out their workbooks or have all these worksheets. Um, it also had some swag. It also had what we call engagement props, which are things that they can engage with the camera um, that make them feel more connected to that experience. So it's thinking about, like, let the story inside the box complement the virtual experience. And it's such a good differentiator because it's the difference between a webinar, which is like another digital online webinar. Webinars are amazing. Um, versus an event that you're trying to replicate something as if they were in person. So that's like a, a big one. Lots of challenges, people who are running challenges. Um, a couple of software as a service platforms for people who join their program, they want to send them something in the mail. We see a lot of that. But um, yeah, the sky's the limit in terms of how to use it. Nice. So I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about what goes in a box. If people are sitting there thinking about okay, I, I kind of want to do this box. Um, first off, where, what, what have you seen performs well in a box? Like yeah. cost-effective, powerful, fun, easy. Yeah, so what, with clients, I take them through a, just like a simple framework. It starts with what are your goals? So how I'd advise you if your goal was to acquire clients is very different than retention. Retention, you may do something that is an achievement box. Achievement boxes are if your client or your students hit a milestone, you'll send them something in the mail. ClickFunnels does a two comma club award. You hit a million dollars with the funnel from ClickFunnels, they send you an award. Kajabi does the t-shirt. You make a thousand bucks, you're a Kajabi hero. They mail you a t-shirt. So that's like a retention place. So that's why I'm saying there's so many different strategies. But to answer your question, like um, what goes in the box depends on quantity, um, what your goals are. Um, and what your budget is. But usually I tell people there's six different types of items you can stick inside a box. Not every box needs all six, but what they are really in a nutshell, a welcome piece is a welcome note to orient people on you know, the what, the why, the how about the box. So it's a simple one pager. Two, swag promotional items. Those are things that are simple that you can get branded. T-shirts, hats, water bottles, mugs, anything that you can put your brand on um, promotion swag or gifts that people just people love. Um, a support item. When we say a support item, we're talking about things that support your success. A workbook, a journal, the trading cards, a book you may recommend. All of those are things that are designed to make you more successful with that product. Uh, the fourth item is a take action item. This is any type of call to action. If you have an ascension model for your business, put a brochure in there that tells people or pre-frames your other products and services. Put a notice about your affiliate program in there. Put a notice to refer a friend. It could be um, take a picture with yourself holding the box and post it online. Just get them to take an action through your ecosystem. Um, and then the last, uh, the last two pieces, a story item is one of the most powerful things you can put in a box. A story item is something in the box that when you see it, it's insignificant. It doesn't mean anything. But once you know the story, it connects you to the influencer. So 
great examples of this. Ryan Levesque puts a Lego piece in his box. If you see a Lego piece, it's pennies. It doesn't cost a lot of money. But when you know the story behind the Lego piece and what it means to him and why he does what he does and why you need to embark and like serve at your greatest, like I saved that Lego piece forever because I was connected to him through a story piece. And last but not least, if you're doing a virtual live event um, or you have a very active community, think about those engagement pieces. People like to have the sticks with the emojis on it. Those are called photo booth props. Sometimes people like, like for me, like a wine glass to do a virtual social is an engagement piece because you are cheersing people. So that's kind of like the six things, a welcome piece, swagger, promotional item, uh, a support item, a take action item, a story piece, and something with engagement. Nice. Um, so I want to touch on t-shirts real quick because I think so many people want to do t-shirts. I think that they are probably something that no one should do until they have reached a certain level. Just because, I mean, if I need women's, I need men's. I need small, I need medium, I need large. In men's, in women's, I yeah. need extra small to extra large. So how do you, would you recommend a t-shirt or not? I would say no. I say if you want a t-shirt, you can have a t-shirt. I mean, the big thing to note is a shirt versus a hat. Like hats, one size fits all. Shirts, this specific size needs to go into this specific box, which means that how you set it up technically just needs to make sure you make it seamless to to like tell that this right size goes to this right person. So the thing is like, if you are small, get shirt sizes in advance so you know exactly how many you need to order. If you're not, most shirt places can tell you that based on the quantity you're going for, here's the span of sizes, but like sizing is a pain. It's just a pain to deal with. Um, and in like times like these, you know, people are growing and shrinking. So like <laughs> sizes are always, always changing. So that's why I'd say like, you, if you want one, like, here's the thing. Yeah, you say that, but t-shirts are probably like, I can't explain it, but t-shirts and stickers are like the best things to put in a box in the sense of you can't get more close than like the shirt on their body or like the sticker on their water bottle. Cause that's what they'll do with it. They'll put it on their binder or their journal or their water bottle or their laptop back. That's when you see those people out in public with like 30 stickers. People love those stickers on their, their laptop. So that's why I'm like, that's the benefit of a shirt is people just wear them again and again and they want the soft feeling shirts they don't want one that feels like it's cardboard i will i will agree with that if you're going to do shirts get so they're called tri-blend it's a rayon cotton and uh -huh. i don't know what the third fabric is um do you i don't either it's a they're tri-blend shirts they're like three dollars more than the 100 percent cotton and they are so much more comfortable i mean i I have ones that I've gotten that I will wear just because they are so incredibly comfortable. Um, yeah, it's funny though, but like uh, shirts are an area that I need to spend more time into. For all shirt needs, we have one person we go to, but for everything else, we do it in-house. <laughs> nice. So I'm going to share my screen really quick because I just uh, want you guys to see. This is, if you're looking for where you go. If you're like, I want to do this, this is Mark's challenge. Uh, this is a custom box challenge. You can go right here and you can enter your information and you will get started. This is the how-to. If you want to reach out to Mark, Mark, what's the best way for people to find you? Uh, you can drop me a message on Messenger um, or if you want to join my Facebook group, it's called Virtual Event Central, how to monetize with virtual events and custom boxes. And then of course, if you purchase any of our products, you'll be invited to a special community um, that like, you know, we always like give you good insights about things that you all should be doing. 
Cool. I mean, it, Mark is a really good guy. Um, if you're looking for him on Facebook, it's Mark Stern. Um, they can find you really easily there. Reach out to him through Messenger. Also, his stuff will be in the show notes, so you can get there. I want to switch gears because you have a hidden superpower that I think all entrepreneurs need more than anything. And it's not what you think I'm going for at all. I have no idea. Um, I have seen Mark. So in my own business, I I don't want a team. I don't like having a huge team. I like having two or three people under me. Mark, right away out of the box, I think because of your corporate consulting background, you were like, I want a team. I oh, want yeah. to know. I want I want people under me. I want I want high value use of my time only. And I want everybody else under me doing the lower value stuff. So you talked about this with, well, I mean, you talked about this right out with uh, entrepreneur elements. You had a video editor, you had a text person, you had oh, yeah. every, all of that was done. And I was pretty blown away. I just met you at the time. At that point, I've been, I've been a full-time entrepreneur for three years and I rarely used people. I would hire, I would hire a graphic designer or I'd hire somebody for a job. So talk to us a little bit about team building because in the last four months, yeah. you've done quite a bit of it. Yeah, you're right. More recently than before, but um, I was definitely, here's the thing though, is that I did invest a lot up front in team, but I, I, at the very beginning of this game, like, and it was still a learning curve for me, like I still had a very corporate mindset and just assumed that everyone had the same skills as me, which is not a good assumption, is that we all have our own skills and we all have the, the in corporate America and the world I came from, everyone was kind of wired the same thing because they trained everyone to be thinking the same way. So that was like a big, um, you know, because I, I have the tendency to work 24 hours and not shut off, which is not something that I would recommend for anyone, um, especially out of the gate. And so I can get a lot done in a very little bit of time. Um, but having those resources, like it, it was good, but I had to re- um, rethink how I was going to use talent because people had such varying different skill sets. So I don't know, I know that that's a little counter, but like now with it, part of the benefit of a team is that like, one, I have people that I can collaborate with and brainstorm with and pick their brains about um, to, and, and the, here's the thing is like the more that they master the processes, they get so much better than I do. Um, but it's just, if you want to scale your business and continue to grow and scale your business, like, if I just relied on me, I will be my worst bottleneck. And I actually like the element of collaboration and like finding out what they want to get out of this one life and like how can they have a lot of fun? Because I'm not a high stress person. Um, I like I like to work with good people. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of like I don't know if I'm answering your question, but at the end of the day, like the power of having a team. Well, first and foremost, you need to have clarity on the things that are like slowing you down and where you are your worst bottleneck and you need to get that off your plate. You need to find ways to put automations and systems in your business so you can make your life a thousand times easier. Um, simple things like, and I need to even do this, like having a media page with your bio on it and pictures and headshots on it, that is a way to get back your time because beforehand I was constantly going in like, where's my bio? Where's my picture? And if you have a pick page, I can just keep sending people to one page. Hey, it's all on this page, everything that you need. Just go pull Super it. easy. That was Super one of the best things like I did when, when I started getting on stages all the time and reaching out for podcasts, having a media page. These are the questions that you can kind of ask me. We can talk about anything, but these are really good questions. These are my headshots you can use. Yeah. It's so easy. But talk, talk about like the biggest thing that holds me back 
when it comes to hiring team members is no one's going to do it as good as I can. You have higher standards than 99% of the people. Oh, yeah, I'm the worst. <laughs> well, you just said it yourself, you're the worst, but yet you have, you have hired team members like that. And yeah. you've gotten good team members that get good results. Talk about how, where'd you find them? How, what's your interview process? Yeah. Um, I mean, you walked me through this on, on yeah, the other okay. night. So if this is one of the, if you are bringing anyone onto your team and, you know, I've talked to a lot of and interviewed a lot of people who like outsourcing is their jam. Um, first and foremost is the role of three. Don't interview one person and offer them the job. Interview at least three so you have a mark of comparison. Two, give them a test. Don't ever go all in on someone if you've never seen how they work. Um, some people like to provide, like ask them to fill out a DISC uh, assessment. Um, I don't do that because I just don't know the system well enough, which is something I should learn a little bit more. But like I, when I um, reach out to someone that I'm like, okay, you are a potential candidate. I do give them a test. If it's a video editor, I'll give them a two to three minute video to edit. If it's a graphic designer, I'd give them a small project to complete. But what I look for when they're going through the process is um, I know that how I've written up the description of the test of these people that I'm looking to bring on um, has everything that they need to be successful. Talk, give me to, the test. Like what did you so, do for, give me an example. So I could say, um, uh, like one of the tests I gave was when we were looking for someone to build a lot of assets for virtual summits. I basically would give a test to say, here are the colors. We're looking for a, a graphic design that uses this logo to bring to life the ticket. Um, so we had this like ticket graphic that we could put on our website. So we could say something like free ticket, just give us your email address or whatever it was. But I give them the basics of like, here are the colors. Here's the thing that I need. Here's the asset you need to build it out. So I've given you colors, I've given you the logo, I've given you like the details of what you need. Now you just need to assemble it. So the question that I look for is, one, do they ask a lot of back and forth questions? So are they asking a lot of questions, which I don't mind asking questions as long as they're good questions. But if they're just constantly following up with lots of questions and they're not clear of the ask, and I know that the description is pretty black and white, move on. You don't want to hire that person. Like to me, I just don't have the time to, to nurse someone like that. If they uh, come back and it's just completely wrong, they completely disregarded what was listed in that test, they're gone. So those are the things like I would even break down exactly what I was looking for. And if they just like did it and showed that they were thinking about it and that there was an element that they like took it to the next level in a way I wasn't thinking about, like those are the people that I start to grab onto and say, okay, let's continue this session. And even when you bring them on, it's okay to bring them on in a part-time capacity for 30 days or do a 30 day trial and then reevaluate the relationship because this is like, if you're looking for someone, you're making a, an investment. So we are literally, I'm starting a new graphic designer on Monday. And what we had agreed upon was part-time that we're going to pay her part-time, um, which was being transparent to say, if she came on full-time, here's what your salary is. Now we're doing this part-time and um, just set the terms. But at the end of 30 days, she knows, and I know that we're going to reevaluate this. And if it's a good fit for her and a good fit for me, bring your own full time. So that's the thing is that like, like it's so easy to spend a lot of time and money and don't assume just because somebody has a higher hourly rate that that means that they're better because I hired someone when I got started to help run my virtual event an expert on uh, project managing virtual events for 45 bucks an hour and ended up firing her the week before the event because, and she was, it was just a mess working with her. I spent thousands of dollars on someone that was not good at all that I could not recommend to other people. Whereas I've also spent 
less than a thousand dollars for someone overseas to do something similar and they're better than anyone that i've found you know um locally like that's like that's the thing don't assume that like i think building out the testing process is what gets you set up because by building out a really good test and like it doesn't have to be a long test like this is what my aha was when i talked to you about it. it doesn't have to be a long difficult test give them four or five clear steps you're going to see who reads the instructions, who asks a million questions that are pointless, or who asks one or two questions and gets something done. You kind of touched on that. The other thing that you touched on that I think is really important, there are a lot of people floating around right now saying they're, quote, social media managers or, quote, copywriters or whatever, and they're charging high fees. And that, I, I don't, there's nothing wrong with charging high fees if you get a result. But there are so many people that are just coming out of the box that are like, hey, this person over here charges 10 grand, I'm gonna charge 10 grand. And they don't have the results to back it up. They don't have the workflow. They don't have the skills yet. Until they have proof, you can't, you shouldn't pay for that, especially if you're starting to get out, just starting out. You shouldn't sign a long-term contract. I like the 30 days. I think everybody should have a 30-day test policy because you don't know if they're going to be a good fit. They might be the best X, Y, Z in the world, but they're not the good fit for you or you're not a good fit for them. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's it. You know, I am like, I'm, and here's the other thing. Like, I think it helps. And I know that this is a big thing to put out there, but anything that I hire people on, I have a sense of how to do what they do. And the reason that that's important to have a little bit of a sense of how they do is that I know how long it takes to do things which I will say that this is my like Achilles Hill and also a strength of mine is that like, like I can evaluate, are they producing at the quality and the rate that they should be producing, focusing exclusively on X, Y, and Z, because I know how to do what they're doing. So like, and, and that, I mean, this comes back to corporate because the corporate world I came from, they teach you to be the world's greatest generalist. So I don't need to know how to build a website and I don't need to know code but directionally, I know that the pieces are there and kind of how to make the process work that if I needed to roll up my sleeves, I could do it. If I needed to do video editing, I'm, you should never have me do your video editing ever. But like generally in a general sense, I know how to do it if I needed to do it or to guide someone on what I was looking for for them to do. So a lot of the problem with a lot of people who hire is that they actually don't know what they want and in what capacity. And they just assume that it's okay if I don't know anything about this. I guess it is okay. But having just a little knowledge about how something operates makes a huge difference in terms of how you can lead that person, but more importantly, making sure that they are providing the value that they're, you're hoping that they're providing. I mean, I would say, even if you don't know necessarily how to do X, Y, Z, you should talk to somebody who does that will give you an honest timeline and an honest amount. I had, I've been interviewing for a video editor. I know how to edit video. Um, I interviewed one guy and he told me that he was going to have to build all the assets that he was going to use as add-ins to the videos. I know that's not true. There are asset banks out there online that you can just go to and grab the stuff. But he, he was telling me, well, that editing, editing a 15 minute video is probably going to take five to seven hours, which is complete, like not, I can do it in 45 minutes, but I don't need to necessarily know how to do it in 45 minutes. I just need to talk to somebody who can say, yeah, that guy's not telling you the truth because you don't want to get blindsided. You don't want to get in a long-term contract. You don't want to pay a ton of money for something that you don't know the results of. Um, 
That's it. Yeah. I mean, like it's a, uh, I don't know. I, it saved me a lot of time and saved me a lot of money, but like, the other, like, like, like Steve, you just mentioned like two ways to do this. Reach out to someone who, you know, how often have I reached out to you to say, here's the bid I got for this activity. Like we have a, a group of entrepreneurs that meet regularly. Like I'll throw it out to them to say, does this seem reasonable? If I don't know, like people will give you a thumbs up, thumbs down. There's been times I'm like, uh, it was a price point that was out of, out of comfort zone and they were like, that's it spot on. I was like, done, you know, um, the other place to go is go on YouTube, like watch a quick video on how to do the thing. You don't have to be an expert of it, but you get enough insights from a, you can find a three to five minute video that can tell you enough that you're just like, okay, I get the sense of it, but I don't want to do it, but I get the sense of it. So if I needed to have a smart conversation with someone, I can still guide them in the right capacity. All right. We're going to shift gears one more time. I've got just a couple quick questions. Donna, you're singing. Um, all right. So the first thing you touched on this earlier a little bit, like a couple hundred people, how many true fans do you think somebody needs to be in a full-time business? Do you think it's a thousand? No, I don't either. I mean, I think like, to be honest with you, you could have 10 true fans that are doing um, 10 high ticket offers. Um, and that's all you need. You know, I, I feel like you had mentioned to me an influencer that, that you work with one of your mentors had a list of like 3000 people, but generates multiple, multiple seven figures year over year from that list of 3000, because it's the 3000 right people. And we have friends that have over 100,000 people who are paying a ton of money per month to maintain that list of over a hundred thousand people, but don't have any high ticket sales. Like they have a list, but they don't really have a connection. So that's kind of why I'm just like, like I, time has proven it that you could have 10. The, if you had 10 true fans that bought everything you put out there, assuming you know how to put out offers that help them in the best way possible, they'll continue to give you money. So, I mean, like, I mean, Steve, we talked about this. Yeah. If you have five clients that are paying you, um, 2000 a month, that's $10,000. That's over a hundred thousand dollars a year for a lot of people. Like that's already above the, that is possible. I mean, it's, yeah, I've talked to one of the big, one of the most powerful things that I heard when I first got started in this game was it was from Grant Cardone and I'm not a huge Grant Cardone fan, but he said this and I was like, that makes so much sense. It's just called millionaire math. Look at what you need to make. Don't don't like have super crazy inflated numbers. Look at what you made in your corporate job. For me, it was $75,000 plus some bonuses. The most I ever made in one year was just over 100K, right? What, what are my living expenses? I looked at my budget, it was 50K. I was like, okay, so my number, I wanna make 75. What do I need to do to make $75,000? Like yeah. how much is that per month? So 75 divided by, let me just grab the calculator, right? 75,000 divided by 12 equals six, $6,200 a month. Well, okay. So if I have 10, if I have six people paying me a grand, if I have 12 people paying me $500, if I have 24 people paying me $250, like just break it down and write those numbers out because you can, I, Personally, my takeaway from it was it's better to have some high ticket sales because I can get those high ticket sales. I can talk to somebody. I can serve them in a super unique way that gets them a result and costs 
a thousand dollars a month. And that's what I did. Um, so what do you think the true number is? You think it's like somewhere 10 to 50 people could easily yeah, support? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it takes a lot in this game, but here's the thing that happens when you serve those 10 to 50, they get louder. And before you know it, you're going to have 50 to a hundred and then a hundred to two fifty, And then all of a sudden it's just like, it becomes irrelevant. It starts growing. Yep. Because you are, so that's, that's the thing is that like, you don't got to go, you don't have to go big. You can, you can stay small and grow small. Um, but like, even some people will teach you, like, you probably could serve if like, what's it is easier to sell like one person on a $25,000 program that you may go in and support them versus, you know, what, 2,500 people for a 100 yeah. dollar program or 250 people at a $100 program, whatever the same is, whatever that number is. But like when the more you increase for a lower ticket price, the more difficult it is. There's different strategies of why you would have a low ticket versus a high ticket. Low ticket's great to get buzz out there, but don't expect to make like a living off of it. Um, but high yeah. ticket, like, like if, even if you have one client that you get results for, I know people who start at the top of the chain, get one big client and then do a group coaching and then do a do it yourself option. So, I mean, guys, and that's kind of what I did with custom box too, because I was doing it for people and yeah. then like taught people how to do it. I mean, I would, you, you see so many people out there with the free plus shipping book offers or the tripwire offers. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have one of those eventually, but it is much better to start with a high ticket because the tripwire, something that's low ticket, you're gonna spend all this time and energy getting a sale and you're yep. gonna sell one or two of them, which doesn't equal anything in your pocket. You can spend that same amount of time to get a high ticket sale. All right, next up, what uh, what's one daily habit that you contribute to success? Um, I think it's very important to uh, get fresh air. So just sometimes to like when you need to push the reset button, um, walking outside and getting fresh air and that's a good thing about having a dog is your dog kind of forces you to go outside because they need to go outside <laughs> get there yeah it's, it's amazing how just the fresh air you know can like rejuvenate you or re-energize you um that would be one for sure um what's another good one that i do i mean that's that's an easy one um what do you do when you lose focus? So that's something that's like hard for me, right? As entrepreneurs are spinning our wheels, we have yeah. projects here, Everything projects the there. Yeah. Napping. So napping is like my secret weapon. And I, I use, when I lose focus and I can't figure out something like, you gotta recognize that like, you got your conscious and your subconscious. And like, when I don't know the answer, like, I, I don't know how better to explain it than I feel like my subconscious knows it and I don't. So like when I sleep, it's like the subconscious can reveal. So me with naps, if I'm overwhelmed or if I'm just like stuck or if I'm frustrated, I feel like when I, and we're talking about like a 10 to 20 minute nap, like I'm a, I'm a fast napper. Like sometimes if I don't know the solution, um, I'll wake up from a nap with everything I need to know. It's the, it's, it's a, I don't know. That's why I'm like naps are like my secret weapon. If anything, what, uh, because it slows my brain down so I can actually figure it out. Huh. I'm a big believer in naps. I definitely feel you there. I usually do not one. long naps, like 10, 20 no. minutes. Sometimes 15, like, 20 it's minutes. like the five minutes you just kind of semi doze off and you're up and it's like, whoop. It's just a little bit of a reset. I think it's great. Um, who's one mentor that you feel really changed your life? Lately, 100%. Uh, I mean, like there's, there's a couple, a lot of mentors from books, Peter D. Anderson and Tim Ferriss, I would say I've changed my life without having a, I, I guess I, I know Peter for, through uh, my time at X Prize, but 
Um, more lately than not, I'd say the person who's been most instrumental has been Bart Miller. Bart has been phenomenal in the digital marketing space. He's an incredible dude. Can't say enough about him, but I would say attributing direct impact to my business. Um, I would say he has been just, uh, out of, out of this world. What's the one big takeaway? I think a lot of it is the recognition of, um, he's very good at like resetting you to say like, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Because it's easy as an entrepreneur to say, I do custom boxes and virtual events and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like, like you got to keep it simple and got to be like clear on what you're known for. And then everything else can, you can still do all these other things. Russell Brunson is like the funnel guy, but he's more than the funnel guy. He's not the funnel guy, but he led with that. So me leading with custom box, just that simple like revelation and just focusing on that story actually opens up the avenue for me to get into everyone's business strategy and have strategy calls. That's that, yeah. like, and that's where I get to have a lot of fun. So it's not about, I, I don't want to get on the phone with someone who's just like, just put a water bottle in a, in a t-shirt. I'm not your guy. But like, if you're truly thinking about how is this going to apply to what I'm doing strategically, that's the place that I want to play in. Those are my clients and my clients get it. And that's why it's like the conversations are so different than if you were to call just a, you know, a promotional goods vendor. Like, I don't want, I don't want that. Go to them for that. They're not going to be your strategic partner. I want to be a strategic partner. That's, so. I mean, I, one of the biggest things that I have seen with my coaching clients that I'm working with, I'm like, just pick one thing. You can do all the other stuff but you have to lead with something that gets people into your world and then you can expose them to everything. So I think that is, and I mean, you focusing on boxes has definitely done that for you. So, it's weird, uh, what, right? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. What's one book? We're the solution. What's one yeah. book? One book, uh, that I would recommend to people. Uh, I kind of want to be more original. I feel like my answer that's got in my head right now is, um, not, but it was so revolutionary to me. Um, uh, I am a, like half people, you probably asked this question too. I love the four hour work week, but I love it because it took me to a place that in the bubble that I was in, in corporate America, like the digital nomad, like that didn't exist in my world. Like I thought the, like even reading the book, it was like a fun thought of a mythical creature that were these digital nomads, like that just existed out there. And I was just like, they, they're not real. But then when I discovered where they were hanging out and it like got exposed to them, it's just like, talk about like something that was introduced and was fun to dream about. And then talk about having my like bubble shatter around me. Cause everyone I knew up to that point was just like me. Like you're like the people yeah. that been, everyone was post MBA. Everyone was corporate America. We all did the same thing. And then you meet this little like bubble of people who are living life on their own terms that, Tim Ferriss brought about. So that's probably more. Like, do you feel like that book is still relevant today? I haven't gone back through it. It's probably, uh, it, 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 I mean, I would, I think that there's some baseline universal concepts that still would be relevant. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of the tactics, the things that were a little bit more tactical have evolved since um, so much of the, I mean, the internet changes year over year, how the game of the internet, like, uh, you can't take a Facebook ads course from 2015 now. It's just, yeah. I mean, the, the, I remember reading that book and thinking the same thing. And now, I mean, I am a digital nomad. I live in Airbnbs all over the U S it's like, I'm, I meet people all the time too. I mean, COVID's changed it a little bit, but they'd be like, you really do that? Like the same thing that you can see, like 
their world shifting that they actually it's possible yeah um but that's the cool thing because it's like like the one thing i'm grateful for was i started this journey two years ago because now a lot of people in america and a lot of people around the world are being forced into the digital game and they have like at least even before i made the leap it was like six years in the making you know it took me like after being that bubble burst it took me at least another four plus years before I finally left corporate. Yeah. But I started dipping my toe and going to a lot of the conferences, going to the Trafficking Conversions and World Domination Summit and Funnel Hacking Live, all these conferences, because it, like, that was like my, my panacea, my medicine, you know, for the situation I was in. But I at least had that before making the leap. People don't have that. They just are like, what is this digital game? Um, drinking out of a firing hose, so. Cool. Last thing is, do you have a quote or a mantra? Anything that you live by? Anything that comes um, to mind? Yeah, I think that one of my biggest like mantras is um, everything is figure outable. That if it has been done by a human before and it's possible, then you can figure it out. So like, like I think everything is figure outable. So having that mindset, like, I think for me has been instrumental and I credit Deloitte for like my time in corporate because it's not about being the best person. It's not like this whole, like, I don't, I don't have any imposter syndrome. And for those who listen, like imposter syndrome is all mindset because the reality is in corporate America, like what I was paid to do was try and solve problems that I didn't know anything about, that I wasn't an expert on the topic, that I had to have the systems to quickly get smart and have calculated recommendations so it's like that's where i'm just like you want to be an expert on bots you want to be an expert on whatever you want like start the journey and just do it because you can figure out anything and just starting that journey like you can become an expert or a go-to authority really quickly online by just taking action most people don't take action that is perhaps the best way to wrap this up just take action just get out there and do it guys yeah I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Are you looking for a way to grow your business through quality organic traffic? If so, make sure to visit thereachmethod.com and download my free workbook. In this workbook, I'll show you my proven five-step method to attracting quality organic leads. Again, that's thereachmethod.com. Or if you know you'd like to work with me directly, go to steven.coffee right now to book an appointment with me. Till next time, Take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon.